Morning, Leo. How are you doing on this lovely icy day? I'm doing well. It just seems like every time we record, we have another snow day. Yeah. Should we not record another episode just so we can avoid having any snow days? Well, let's definitely not record tomorrow because I've got a pretty packed day and I'm not sure I can spare one more snow day. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about breaking down large projects. Last week we talked about how to be a productive parent and how to get things done while still raising children. And one of the things we talked about was breaking down large projects into small, easy to manage pieces. Specifically in the case of parenting, we were talking, if if you just have some free time for a few minutes, you could do a little thing that could help a large project get done eventually. So we decided to expand on that today and talk a little bit more in details about how we have to be able to figure out how to take a large project that's either handed to us or some idea that we have and being able to break it down into small pieces that way kind of giving you a plan or a map to follow and then being able to look at those items, look at those little tasks that we've broken down our project to and figure out What's our progress? How successful is this going to be? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Eric, do you have some thoughts on the subject? Yeah, definitely. And I just wanted to add that today I'm taking heavy advantage of being able to break up my work into very small pieces uh, because this is the second week of a series of snow days. And I've got to add that last week I did this just having really, really small tasks really let me get a ton of stuff done, even though I was also sprinkling in tons of time with my kid. What I think the uh, value of doing this is, besides just being able to get things done in the small pockets of time that you might have, is more generally that life or your work or your job rarely gives you work that's in small easy to accomplish pieces. Like I can't remember the last time where I had something so simple as like do this five minute task. Maybe it could count something as respond to an email. Rarely that's the case. Um, So being able to break a big thing down, a project down into small pieces gives you that like measure of being able to accomplish something. So you could think of it as like a map or some kind of a progress meter. So you have this big project and you want to be able to see that you're making progress on it. So besides just giving you the ability to get things done from start to finish in the time that you have, you're also able to measure your progress on those big things. And I think that's really valuable because I personally think that's probably why side projects rarely get finished is because uh, we tend to sit down and just work away at them without actually listing out all of the different things, the small little components that we need to get done in order to say that the side project is done in the way that we imagine it when we start. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. So, Eric, how do you know what your limitations are for getting certain large projects done? These are generally things that I just have picked up through week after week. I just know what some of my limitations are as a part time stay at home dad working from home doing odds and ends, uh, both at home and then also doing freelancing type of work. I know that I have certain limitations on time especially on snow days, I know that I don't have very large pockets of time to be able to sit down and work on a single task. I know that money is not a 
big resource that I can just throw at things. So that typically means that I have to keep these in mind. I have small pockets of time and I don't have much money. So that means that I have to be able to do these things usually on my own or find affordable ways to do them. And I have to make sure that I'm able to do them in a way that I can work on it piece by piece over long periods of time instead of like being able to sit down and work on something for eight hour stretches until it's done. Thinking a little bit more broadly about this, like these are things I always just, I know. I mean, I did have to sit down and think like, what are some of my limitations? But once I was able to identify them, then I'm able to carry these limitations with me and use them in figuring out how I need to break down a big project very, very quickly. Uh, Some other limitations... I already mentioned time. So if you want to identify what limitations are, you could ask yourself, like, how much out of each day can you dedicate to a single task? Is that like 10 minutes or is that like an hour? Or do you have a nine to five type of job where you know that you have like two, three, four hours between meetings or breaks? Um, So being able to uh, know what your time constraints are and then thinking longer term as well. uh, What kinds of deadlines or milestones do you have for a project? Um, Because those are important too, especially when you're trying to take a like three or five year project and whittle it down and measure progress. Bigger deadlines are important to know as well. Energy. Uh, This could be like emotional, intellectual, or physically taxing energy. So if you have a very laborious job, you know you might be only be able to lift heavy things for so long before you need to take a break. Same if you have very emotional work. If you're So if you're working with people and doing a lot of therapy, for example, or you're providing support to people who have been through some kind of a trauma, then you might... Or just, or just managing folks, like just any sort of management or public presentation or anything like that. It doesn't even have to be necessarily emotional work. It can be emotionally draining. Yes. Yeah, very true. So knowing what kinds of energy you need to dedicate to your work is really important to know. Do you have any known, what I'd say is like predictably unpredictable distractions? Like it's winter and there's some sort of semblance of like maybe having snow days. And so we can kind of anticipate a few days ahead that we might have snow days. The kids might be at home, but we don't know for sure. Like what kinds of distractions might come up. And then thinking about this outside of uh, someone who works from home, if you're at an office, what kinds of meetings come up? If you keep track of your meetings, you might see that meetings tend to be scheduled only like three hours in advance. And so they're unpredictable, but there's also a little bit of predictability into them. So you can use that to kind of gauge where you need to be able to have some uh, flexibility. Predictable unpredictability. Yes. I mentioned money. Like, do you have budget constraints or other kinds of supplies that may not be money like lumber or... What is this? Settlers of Catan? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) So any kinds of limitations and supplies that might limit you being able to get work done. This is kind of a, a running joke at past jobs that I've had, but what are your unknowns? If you look at a big project and you think, I don't know how to do this, then that's an unknown. So as part of your work, you also have to consider like incorporating what do you need to learn or what do you need to do to fill those uh, skill gaps? Like, do you need to hire someone else or do you need a mentor or some other means of actually getting those pieces solved that you might not be able to do yourself? Yeah, I think those are really good points. A couple of things I wanted to mention was the 
time and energy or various combinations of these give you an idea of ways to schedule that time out. So for instance, I know we're recording this in the morning, for instance, I know I'm much more energetic in the morning at getting things done than I am in the afternoon. So I might constrain specifically high energy work for only the morning. And that gives me an idea of what kind of bucket of time I have available for high energy tasks, uh, such as writing or recording a podcast or something like that. So that's something to keep in mind. And then we did uh, episode episode three, where I talked about goals and actions. And in there, I talk a little bit about breaking down projects into small tasks and then assigning them to your calendar. Definitely want to take a look at that episode again, if you want to get some ideas about actually scheduling these tasks out. On my other podcast, I talked about on EmpowerApps.show, I talked about project estimation. Obviously, that's much more software related, but I think there's some stuff on there that might be apt for other folks as well. One of the things is that past performance is a good indication of future performance. So for tasks that you've already done before, you should be able to have a decent idea of how long it takes. The second episode on goals and actions, what I talked about is for unknowns, your predictions as far as how long something is going to take are going to be much more wrong. But also you're going to want to specifically bucket time for research as part of that. And part of the research is estimating time for a future task. So let's say you've never done any sort of grout. Uh, work. Okay. You've never done it before. Part of that time is figuring out how difficult it is or how to prep for something for that, especially considering that you've never done it before. Or for instance, you've never learned how to build a website. So part of that is you're actually bucketing time for research. And then later on, you're going to want to like reevaluate. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we're going to, ha- you're going to want to reevaluate the way you've broken down your tasks now that you have a much more deep knowledge of that. But as far as stuff you've already worked on, I don't know if we'll talk about this, but track your time because then that way for future projects, you'll know how long it took you to do the things that you've done. And I find that super helpful. Yeah, I agree. And that's one that we covered in a previous episode as well. Um, I think it was in your uh, top apps. Uh, I use Toggle and a spreadsheet of some sort to usually track how long it takes me to do certain things. And that gives me a good indication of when I need to do an estimation, how how long it took me to do something. Yeah, and I recommend Time Doctor... Uh, light as well for the same reasons. Okay. And so that's exactly where I'm, I'm going with this. As far as being able to break a big project down, knowing your limitations will give you a sense of what are some of the s- smaller tasks that you need to be able to take on in order to achieve that big project. You mentioned grouting. So a very real example that I have from uh, last week was that our dishwasher just wasn't running water for some reason. And typically I stay away from plumbing um, because I've had a few mistakes that ended up being very expensive. However, I do know that one of my limitations is money. So um, I didn't want to just automatically throw $100 or $150 at a plumber for something that could maybe be easy. So I decided to uh, spend 15 minutes researching what the problem could be because one of my limitations was knowledge. I don't know how dishwashers really work, except that the water goes in, gets hot, sprays all over the place, and then clean dishes come out. Um, And so 15 minutes spent researching revealed that there is a very easy to replace line that has an automatic water shutoff if there's Uh, sediment that gets in it. So I give it a try. I went to the store, picked up this $20 part, replaced it, and boom, dishwasher fixed. And by knowing my limitations, I was very quickly able to identify like 15 minutes of research. That's a task. If that works out, then 
go to the store and buy a part and then dedicate some time to actually replacing the part, which all were very small tasks that I could actually do while my daughter was at home on her snow day. She could be playing for 10 minutes while I do any one of these types of things. And she can go to the store with me and help me buy the part too. So that's that's where I was going with uh, knowing your limitations can help you identify how to break down a task. You, you mentioned like estimation. Another way to think of this is prioritizing, having having knowledge gaps or needing to rely on someone else to do certain pieces of the work for you will automatically tell you that their time may be limited and that work needs to line up with their time so that you can get these things done on time, especially like if you have a designer or marketing or sales team or something like that you're working with, they might need to put that work in with a whole bunch of other things that they have going on. So you need to know what those limitations are so that you can line up the work and not miss your deadlines. The meat of this where you have a big project and you need to start breaking it down. Um, this could be like a six month type of project. It could be something that's so nebulous that you don't know how long it's actually going to take, but you know that it's not something that you could just knock out in a day or a week or a month even. One thing that I try to do is imagine when this project is done, what does the good successful version look like? I try to picture this as, as clear as I can and then point out what are the main features that this thing has in it. I try and come up with a short list of three or five or more things that I can notice. And then of those, I can look at like, what are the most important things? In our last, in one of your Empower Apps episodes, you mentioned the idea of an MVP. So you might have a big project and you might need to accomplish the whole thing, but what is the like basic most important things to make that workable? That's one way that you can start whittling away and making a project seem a little bit smaller. Another way to think of it are what are the most achievable things? Like what are what are some things that you can cherry? Those could be very, very small things like documentation or how it looks or the supplies that you need in order to make it. So coming up with the lists of things that you can clearly see that will be needed for this project to be successful is a good way to take this big project and then break it up into maybe half a dozen different things that you need to work on. Even those things might not be doable in within the constraints that you have. So this is a process that you can cycle over. So you have each of these elements of the finished project. What does each of those look like and what are some of the pieces that it's composed of and how can you break those down? And so I recommend just identifying what these important things are, list them out. And then for each of those, what are the elements that make up those things and whittle those down? And then effectively, you get this root structure where you get lists underneath that just have three, five, maybe even a dozen different things in order to build those things until you actually start getting down to the level where your constraints are met. Each time that you come up with one of these, you can think, is this doable with my budget? Is this doable with my knowledge? Is this doable with the time that I have? If you answer yes to those, that's a good spot to stop. When you start doing that, you can take a step back and look at all of the different tasks that you have and think, like, is this enough to fill up my next week or two weeks or a month worth of work? Or if you're trying to break stuff down so that a team can work on it, is this enough tasks for a whole team to work on for a week or two weeks or a sprint or whatever your measure of 
progress is. Sometimes there can be challenges and you might come up with an item that you need to create and it's not very clear on how this can be broken up into five or six different other things. If you can't break something down anymore, then try and think of ways that you might be able to work on it within your constraints using a a time box. This task might be one thing where you just need to sit down and do it, but you only have an hour at a time to work on it. So plan on spreading the workout over a few days and work on it an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon and so on until you can actually get it done. There might be some like context switching that you have to do. So it'll make the task a little bit slower overall. But if you can't think of another way to actually break that task down, then don't just uh, find some other way to slice up the work, be it time or money or energy you know, whatever those limitations are. I think it's also important to schedule time for prep and cleanup for some of these tasks. If you if you break it down into small pieces, that will mean that the, there's a certain amount of time that'll have to be prep and clean up at every time you start doing the task. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. If you're doing a paint job, you need to get your paint ready. You need to get your brushes ready. You need, And then when you're done, you need to take your tarp off. You need to clean your brushes. You need to clean up every single time you start and stop the task. So make sure you allocate time for that. Or for instance, if you're doing any sort of code work, there's time to turn on the computers at sometimes uh, get the project open, open the application, start a database, start a server. And then when you're done, you have to close everything down, save, check in your code, all that stuff. Make sure you understand that as you break down these tasks, that there will be prep and cleanup time every time you do begin a task. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned that because another thing to keep in mind is that this process usually can go pretty quickly. But if you're involving a lot of people, there will be a lot of opinions. Like sometimes analysis can take a while. So breaking down a project is also part of the project. Figure out how much time you spend on your first session breaking down the work and then make sure that you are spending a little bit of time on breaking more work down over the coming weeks until the project is done. So don't plan on breaking the entire project down right up front either. Do enough that you can get started and then plan more sessions to identify like smaller tasks into your coming weeks and months so that you can continue allocating more work as it's needed instead of trying to do all of that planning right up front. So Eric, now that we have like a list of tasks that we want to do, how do we prioritize and like schedule these tasks out? Sometimes you can ask yourself what needs to happen first with any kind of a constructive process. There is usually some kind of a foundation that needs to be laid out before you can even do that. There is the prep work that you had mentioned. Those are ways that you can prioritize. Another way that you can approach this is which items are most heavily influenced by your constraints that might not prioritize like what needs to happen first, but it might identify where you need to sit down and do some research or where you need to find other people to do some of the work for you. Or it might help you identify you've got three different parts of your big project that are not exactly related, but they all require the same sort of work. And so it makes more sense to do those three things at approximately the same time or have someone else do them. So those are all different ways um, that you can prioritize uh, what needs to be done and kind of lay out a timeline of what needs to happen first, what needs to happen a month from now or three months from now, or what, what has an ambiguous priority and you need to 
do a little bit more research and find out how can you figure out how this fits into your plan. It's especially true if people are dependent on you. I think that might also help prioritize certain tasks. I think you talked earlier about like a graphic designer or somebody who might be dependent on something from you. Maybe those could be done earlier so that way they can begin their set of tasks. This is especially true when you have a team that you're working yeah, with. Yeah, and, and sometimes it may not seem obvious, but just asking, um, like, what does this task depend on? And it might not be people. It might be other tasks. Yes. Yeah. And then we've talked about this already a little bit. Coming coming up with a huge list of tasks can be very daunting. And that's yet another reason to not break everything down at once. Come up with a list that's enough to get you started um, or is high level enough that you can identify what some of your priorities are and then focus on those so that you don't come up with this monstrous, insurmountable list of tasks that you think you're never going to be able to get through. The whole point is that you can't do everything at once and you know that you have a big project. That's why you need a list of small things to work on for a short period of time. Then that kind of begs the question, uh, when do you do another task breakdown again? So obviously, if you don't have any more things to work on, then go and look at your project and figure out what else, what are the big chunks that still need to be broken down? You might have some natural deadlines or uh, other constraints that you've run into, like you're waiting on a person to do some work. And so you might have a sudden pocket of time where you can pull in more work um, or something unexpected, um, whether it's related to your work or like a family emergency or something like that may just interrupt or change your priorities on a project. And so those might be situations where you need to reassess what needs to be done, especially if one of those unexpected things could have a heavy time or energy toll. You think that you need to spend three months working on a project, but suddenly you're on disability leave for a month, then uh, you might need to reassess like what you're able to accomplish in those two other months. And then obviously sometimes priority change, that might be a good time to stop and rethink like what are the next tasks that you'll be working on. I think this sounds really formalized. However, I want to jump back to that situation last week where the dishwasher broke. I pretty much carry with me my constraints and I'm able to do this process pretty quickly. So like knowing what your constraints are, the big thing, and then you can use that to think about like, what are the first things that need to happen in order to approach some kind of a, uh, a nebulous project? Um, in this case, like fix fixing the dishwasher. Um, and I was able to just, I mean, within a minute, just identify, like, I want to do some research. And then I didn't do any more than that. I just like first identified, I'm going to do 15 minutes of research. And then from there, I was able to stop and then see like, oh, it might just be this one part. This might seem like a really big process, but it doesn't have to be. This process scales really easily. And I think the first thing that you want to do is know your constraints. It could be time, energy, budget, people, and so on. And that's something that you can do once. And then as a person or as a team, you'll always know. Once you have those constraints, you can start looking at a big project, list out what the main objectives are. Use the constraints to know, like, what do you what do you need to do in order to be able to uh, approach solving this problem? Um, that'll give you a very short list, maybe even a list of like one thing that you need to do first 
before anything else. If it's more than one item, then prioritize that list. And then for each of the items in that list, you can repeat the same process. Like, What does it take to accomplish each of those objectives? List them out into however many you think it, it would take or you're able to quickly identify and then prioritize them and keep doing that until you have enough to start the work. And then I recommend stopping. Just don't think that you have to identify everything that's required. Just start working. And then when you need more stuff to work on, then resume the process where you left off. Yeah. And I think like you've kind of said is it's an iterative process, especially with a large enough project, you might have to like go back, re-break it down, reschedule things out and take a look at the big picture at some point in the middle of a large project. I also think when you say like, when, it, when is a project done? Like if you feel like this is a long, long-term project, something that just never is over, that's where you need to think about breaking it down into phases, into chunks that are doable. So that way it's something you can actually look at as if you're going to have a product, for instance, and you're going to work on it. You might want to take a look at it as like a version one, version two, and, and doing it, th- doing things that way. Yeah. And oftentimes you will have other people that you're working with on a project who can provide input or they will be able to help you assess what does it look like to be done with the project. That's the greatest spot to start is knowing what done looks like will give you a small list of things that you need to start working on and then you can do the same thing like what is what does it look like to be done with each of those things and just keep keep doing that for all of them until you have small enough pieces that you're able to start working what do you think about wrapping it up with a little exercise yeah let's do this friend of mine shared a tweet with me that i thought was a silly exercise and it got me thinking the tweet is from tinker l who is at E-L-L-E-9-1 on Twitter. They said that without using the title of your job, tell me what you do. And I think what really touched me with this particular tweet is that I do so many different things that don't seem to be connected that I have a really hard time explaining to someone what I do. And especially like if I start throwing my titles at people, they have no idea what it means to be like an adjunct instructor or a tech evangelist or anything like that. So trying to be able to think of this and answer in like 280 characters was a really fun exercise. And I actually liked my answer enough that I ended up updating my uh, Twitter profile. So what I came up with was um, that... I help people find ways that tech and tabletop games can make them feel powerful. I like that. Tech and tabletop games make you feel powerful. Those are very powerful words. <laughs> Thanks. What did, what did you come up with? I teach people about productivity and technology in order to make their lives easier. Nice. Did I do it right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's pretty clear what you do and it doesn't really like tie you down to a lot of the titles that tend to have a lot of other stereotypes that come along with them. So I'll go ahead and retweet this. If you don't know, we do have a Twitter account at OK Productive. We'd love to hear from you on our Twitter account. But if you want to reply to our retweet of this, I'd appreciate it. Love to see some folks give this exercise a try and see what they come up with. Yeah, and our Twitter account is at OK Productive. Also, we're still taking recommendations for our book review for this season. Go ahead and go to our Twitter account or to our show notes and fill out the type form we have for that. Uh, we'd love to hear any recommendations that you have. Probably looking at 
a few episodes out before we can tackle this. We're really excited to take on another book this season and hopefully something that will help us be more productive 